0: Yeah, sometimes it seems like that, doesn't it? Like nothing's going right, there's no hope, circumstances are are robbing you of life. And yet, when God is in the equation, there's actually a different way to read the story. There's a different way to see things. And that's what we're talking about today. We're in this series, Take As Much As You Need. And today we're talking about joy. That joy is actually your birthright, there for the taking. You know, but sometimes, honestly, we wake up in the morning and, and we think we're going to have a joyful day, right? We think it's going to be a good day. It just feels good. It feels right. And then you're driving to work and traffic and, you know, you, you kind of cut across to get in the faster lane. And some guy lays on the horn and waves good morning with one finger, right? And your head is immediately ablaze with all these thoughts about him, right? And his mother, and, and you can't get it out of your head all the way to work. And then you get to work and your boss comes in and she lays all her problems on you and you're supposed to fix them by the end of the day. And then you're going through the day and there's grumbling and complaining before you know it. You know, you're griping about unfair this and where does he get off that? You finally get home and you try to unwind and then you see it, the stack of mail. You've got to go through it. And you're cussing under your breath as you're going through all the junk mail. And then you see the phone bill. Oh no, you just paid off all the Christmas bills. You've got no money left. And now worry instead of joy caps off your day. The truth is most of us don't experience all of the joy that God intends. And instead, we just let the circumstances of the daily grind chip away until We just have a basically joyless life. But there is a way to do it differently. There's a way to read it differently. We can actually rise above with a joy that transcends the circumstances. With a joy that overcomes fear. With a joy that perseveres in trials. With a joy that conquers traffic jams and computer crashes and other natural disasters. We can have a joy. That's God's promise. It is possible. And I want to start off by just showing you a case study of the life of a guy who struggled just like you and I struggle and yet lived with this birthright of joy. His name was Paul. Paul was originally a Pharisee, the same Pharisees that killed Jesus and, and Paul was actually, after Jesus' death, going and arresting Christians and having them killed as well when on the Damascus Road, he encounters this blinding light that he knows is God, turns out to be Jesus. Paul does a 180, and he goes throughout the Roman world telling people of God's love and forgiveness offered in Jesus. And all these churches start. Now, Paul uh, eventually gets arrested. He's sitting in a dark, cold prison in Rome. He's on trial because of this disturbance that he's caused in Jerusalem. Telling the Gentiles, the the non-Jewish nations, that God loves them and forgives them. And he's for everyone, not just for the Jewish people. And it caused an uprising. So what Paul had done is he had taken gifts from all the churches in the Mediterranean And brought these financial gifts to the churches in Jerusalem. Because they were going through a famine. And the very Pharisees who killed Jesus were trying to kill Paul. And it caused this uprising. And as a result, Paul was put in prison. And for years he sat in prison. And then he was sent on to Rome. And he's awaiting his trial to determine if he's going to be executed or not. Not great circumstances, agreed. He's possibly facing death during this time uh, uh, while he was being uh, held in Rome. His finances dried up. And as a result, the Philippian church sent a guy named Epaphroditus to bring financial help to Paul. And Paul, as a result, sends Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church with a letter that we now have in our New Testament. It's called the letter to the Philippians. So you got to picture this. I mean, talk about stress, right? I mean, Paul has, has run out of money now. They've come and helped him, but stress, right? Talk about anger. He says that there are these people who out of envy and jealousy are trying to stir up more trouble for him. And, and talk about fear. He's possibly going to be executed before because of it. Talk about bad circumstances. He's sitting in a dark prison cell, no running water, hole in the ground for a toilet probably, right? And yet he's done nothing wrong. All he's done is tell people how much God loves them and will forgive them in Christ. How could anyone find joy in those circumstances? Think about that. I mean, to put it in in modern-day emoji terms, how could you find this, right, when life keeps texting you this? (laughs) And yet, somehow Paul does. So listen, as as I read just a little summary of Paul's joy in this letter to the Philippian church, and remember where he is. So he sends Epaphroditus back saying this, Philippians 1.3, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership. 1.17, some suppose that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in change, chains, but what does it matter? Christ is made known and because of that, I rejoice. 1.19, yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and help given by the spirit of God, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. 125. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow. 2.2. Make my joy complete by being unified, like-minded, having the same love, one in spirit. 2.17. I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. 2.29, 2.29, welcome Epaphroditus in the Lord with great joy. one. rejoice in the Lord. one. you are my joy and my crown. 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. 4.10, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. What? You see why the letter of the Philippians is often called the joy letter? And yet think of what is going on With Paul, right in the midst of adversity and stress and worry, nothing going right, big old brown pile of emoji circumstances, right? And yet, something is going on inside of Paul that isn't controlled by outward circumstances or fate or fortune or what anybody else does. It's unchangeable. It's immovable because it's rooted in God. And Paul has found how to live in this joy as his birthright. And in Christ, you have the same birthright. Joy is there for the taking. Take as much as you need, God says. Now let me ask you, don't you want that? You know, don't don't you want to be able to rise above the circumstances that that go on around you? Don't you want to to be able to rise above the trivial or not so trivial things that are out of your control anyway? Don't you want to be able to live, you know, to work hard and play hard and live the moments of life with a kind of joy that nothing can take away because it comes from within? I do. I want to live that way. And God wants us to live that way. In fact, he's promised that we can. But if I'm honest... Sometimes I feel joy impaired. <laughs> Sometimes I find it's just really hard. Sometimes I just keep reading the script this way according to the circumstances of life. But there is another way. And that's what I wanna share with you. I wanna share with you what I've learned and what I've found. It doesn't happen for me all the time, but as I do these things that we're talking about today, I do find the Holy Spirit is the key to this joy and learning to walk. With the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go there, what is joy? Because it's important to realize that joy is different than pleasure or happiness. You know, joy is not just Pollyanna positive thinking. Joy does not deny pain or suffering. In fact, joy can often come in the middle of pain or suffering. Joy comes from the inner spirit of a person. Now, to understand this, I want to look at another place in. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, where Paul talks about joy and the inner workings of a person. So he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. You see that? It is possible. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so to live in this joy, we have to understand that It entails body, soul, and spirit. we got to understand how those work. So, for instance, in our bodies, we experience sensation or pleasure, right? It feels good to get a back rub. It feels good to sit in a hot tub. It feels even better to get a back rub in a hot tub. (laughs) So your body feels pleasure, right, that has experiences like that. Our soul is what contains our mental cognitive abilities, The soul is also what gives life to the body. You know, when the soul leaves the body, the body dies. The body still looks the same, has the same mass and weight and everything, except it's dead because the soul leaves the body. Now, the soul is where we experience happiness and knowledge. Happiness is deeper than just pleasure that the body experiences. Happiness is actually an interpretation of what's happening to your body, right, or to your person. So happiness is deeper than pleasure. And for instance, you can can feel happiness when you have the pleasurable sensation of falling even, like on a roller coaster, you know, or you can feel happiness through pleasurable circumstances. Someone is kind to you or the weather feels good outside, but you can also feel happiness in pain, right? Like a mother giving birth to a child. Mothers who just gave birth are like, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But joy comes at an even deeper level than happiness. Joy comes from the spirit, the innermost part. It's the spirit that gives eternal life to the soul, right? That's why Jesus in John chapter 3 talks about how you have to be born again. In other words, not just born physically of water, of out of the birth canal, but born spiritually by God. Your spirit has to be born and come alive to God. And that's when, like we looked at in week one, the Holy Spirit now dwells in our spirit. And so we now have the opportunity to receive a joy that comes from within where God's spirit lives. And this joy can come even when feelings are upset. And joy can be there even without pleasure in the body or happiness in the soul. Now, usually, though, it works the other way. When there's joy in the spirit, it brings happy feelings over time. It also brings a healthier body, right? More energy, uh, more resistance to disease. So joy comes from God. That's the key. Joy is a foretaste of heaven. And it's important to realize most of us radically underestimate how joyful God is. See, God is the most joyful, and in fact, as a result, happy being in the entire universe. God experiences great joy. Now God also experiences sorrow. You know, Jesus was called a man acquainted with sorrows. Jesus gets us, he understands, because he's been through it. But like sorrow, just like anger, you know, that's God's temporary response to a, to a fallen world. But joy, on the other hand, is the very character of God. You know, C.S. Lewis said it like this, joy is the serious business of heaven. See, joy is what God's all about. And unless we understand that, we're not really going to understand how to relate to God. When God created, God created out of joy. You know, he, he created joyfully. See, God God didn't do his work like we do our work. Oh, it's nine o'clock. I got to go to work. I got to do something today. What am I going to do? I'll create something. How about stars? No, too many TPS reports to fill out. Let's do something easier. No, when God created everything, Genesis 1, it says he looks at it and each time he rejoices. It is good. He celebrates. See, creation flowed out of God like inspiration and a song flows out of a An inspired musician. And that's why Jesus, who showed us God's very nature, very character in the flesh, said this while he's praying in Gethsemane, he knows he's going to the cross. Yet in John 17, I've come to you now, Father. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. God is joyful. And so joy comes as a gift from God's spirit to our spirit. And that's why Paul in this joy letter in Philippians 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. See, that's the key. It's joy in the Lord. It's not joy by trying harder to be positive. It's not joy by trying to change your circumstances. You can't muster up this joy. It's joy from God. It's joy in the Lord. But the promise is you can find joy in the Lord. How? you got to tune your spirit to receive it. So think about it like this, you know. It's like tuning into a radio station. Like you have a radio in your car. You can tune it in to just static and all you're going to get is noise. Or you can turn it in, tune it into a station and you get music. In the same way, we can tune in our minds to the noise of the static of the world, the circumstances around us. Focus on that, and all you get is the noise of the world. Or you can tune in to God's Spirit, and you can start to receive something different. Joyful music in your spirit. That's why Paul says, like we looked at in week one, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, But instead, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. See that? So we saw in week one that when we open our hearts to God, right, in faith, then the Holy Spirit is given to us to dwell in our spirit. God's presence. The Holy Spirit is God's presence and God's power with us. He lives in every person who's opened their heart in faith to God. Have you ever just told God, I want what Jesus did to count for me? I want your forgiveness and your love and your guidance. And God says, it's a free gift. All he needs is your permission. And then he says, not only does he forgive you, he says he adopts you as his own child and wants to pour into you his love, his joy, his peace, these things, as we learn to walk with him. If you've never made that decision, I wanna encourage you. You can make it anytime. It's between you and God. And we mark that decision with baptism. You know, next week we're actually going to celebrate baptism. And if you've, if you've never done that, I want to invite you to celebrate baptism with us next week. Now, baptism is what Jesus said basically should be our first expression of love for God. It's identifying with God, with what he did for us in Christ. You know, when you go down into the water, it's you publicly declaring, Jesus died and was buried for me. It should have been me. And then when you come up out of the water, you know, and we'll always bring you back up out of the water. You don't have to worry about that. Even if you heard Eric talking the other day, did you hear Eric when he was telling the story about the guy who said, hey, when you put me down in the water, wait till I tap you. I wanna, I wanna be down under for a while and think about it. And so he holds him down under. I guess the guy could hold his breath for a long time because he wasn't tapping him and people are starting to watch and look at Eric and go like, what's, you know, do we need to call somebody? But we'll always pull you back up. And when you come back up out of the water, you're declaring, and just as Jesus overcame death, to forgive my sins, I'm washed clean. And now I'm right with God forever and I can walk in a new way with God. You know, if you've never been baptized, I wanna encourage you, go out to gatewaychurch.com forward slash baptism. You can find out more, you can sign up for it. Join us next week. You know, whether, whether you're just making that decision or you made it years ago, publicly declare your love and your identification with what God did. And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're still trying to figure out what you think about God or about how Jesus fits and all that. Then I wanna encourage you to take our alpha course that's about to start. It'll help you start to wrestle through those questions. In fact, listen to how, Michelle, how it helped Michelle.
1: My name is Michelle. I found Gateway's By way of my search for an Alpha course, I heard of Alpha through my therapist who recommended Alpha because I had some existential questions like, why am I here? (laughs) What is my purpose? And I needed a place where I could ask those things. I just couldn't get enough of the material. I mean, it was so chock full of juicy goodness it felt good to be in a room of full of people who like also didn't know. And I felt at home, very safe and and welcomed. I had never really felt that included at church before. Before Alpha, I thought that having a relationship with God meant that all my questions were answered and there are reasons for all these things. And when I'm in doubt, I'm still in a relationship. And when I'm struggling with the answers, I'm still in a relationship. When you need to take a massive step back, it's so good. It's like food for the soul.
0: Where else can you find a place like that? So I want to encourage you to check that out. And it'll help you with a lot of your questions. But here's the other thing. You're never going to have all your questions answered. If you did, you'd be God, right? But you can get enough answers to put your trust in what you do know and do understand. And then you're in relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean we know how to walk through life with God, and that's what it means to walk with his Spirit. And Jesus explains what that means, to walk with the Spirit and to see this joy start to grow in our lives. In his last night on on earth, he picks up a a, a grapevine, and and he, he uses an analogy. Take a look at what he says in John chapter 15. It says, No branch can bear fruit by itself, It must remain connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain connected in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. See, this this fruit, these, these grapes... They grow naturally as long as the branch stays connected to the vine, the source of nutrients and of life, right? The branch doesn't have to work real hard on its own to try to get the grapes to grow. It just stays connected. Nutrients flow through it and it grows naturally. But disconnected from the vine, it can't grow anything. And that's what Jesus is saying to you and to me. That we were never meant to go through life disconnected from the very source of life and love and joy. And when we simply stay connected to God's spirit, fruit, like love and joy and, and peace, begins to grow naturally out of us. Now what does it mean to walk or stay connected to his spirit? Well, the first, like Jesus said, is to stay connected to his love. We walk By the Spirit, as we stay connected to His love. So that just means we gotta let communication flow from the vine through us, the branches. And it's two way communication. So, you know, God is the source of truth about how life works best. And, and just like, you know, this great vine has to let the nutrients flow through it to produce fruit. We have to allow God's truths, which are found in the Bible, God's promises. We got to let them flow through us as well. And then we've, we've got to also talk to God about the things that are going on day to day. You just, as you go through your day, you just talk to God in your mind about everything. Now that may sound weird but you know what? You're talking to yourself about everything already. That's weirder, right? As you go through your day, your mind is just going, 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 and you're talking back and forth. Well, that's weird. Why don't you just include God who says he's with you always? And that's prayer. That's what prayer is supposed to be. It's constant contact with the God who loves you, who dwells with you, who understands you better than you understand yourself and wants to guide you into a life of more fruit, of love and joy and peace. So try an experiment. We, we call it the 60-60 experiment. If you've been around for a while, you know about this. But, you know, I wrote a book called Soul Revolution that this experiment is, is explained in and illustrated in. But it's really simple. For 60 days, you just set reminders every 60 minutes And and when you get that reminder, you pause and you just assess, Lord, how well did I stay connected letting this conversation flow throughout the last hour? And now how can I do a better job staying connected in this next hour? And you can just set your alarm to go off every hour or, you know, we, we created a Soul Revolution 6060 app that you can download for free and use that. Or you can just put sticky notes all over to remind yourself. But the whole point of it is that you're learning how to stay connected. And what you'll find many times is at at that hour, you look back and you go, wow, I got so busy, I totally forgot about God. I didn't think or talk to God about anything. It's okay. Jesus died to forgive you. Now just move forward and learn from it and do better next time. And the whole point is after 60 days, you will see fruit. You'll see more fruit and you'll be in a better habit of staying connected. But it's not just talking at God, it's two-way communication. It's listening to God as well, which may seem even weirder. (laughs) You know, as comedian Lily Tomlin said, why is it that when we talk to God, it's called praying, but when God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia? (laughs) Well, Jesus gives us the key to what it means to hear God. Have you ever noticed all throughout the Bible, Jesus talks about whoever has ears to hear. If you have ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says. And then he says it this way in Matthew 13. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They've closed their eyes. Their ears cannot hear. Their hearts cannot understand. So they can't turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. See, what Jesus is saying is there is a type of spiritual hearing that has to do with the heart, right? With the, with the will, with willingness. We develop this spiritual hearing. I've used an analogy that I found helpful. Um, right now, I'm trying to get all my thoughts in my head into your mind, right? But, but it's, it's difficult because I have to, you know, I have to use um, my voice I have to use this microphone and sound system, and limited number uh, of words that I can get out in any given amount of time. I have to use the English language. Aunque uh, unos pueden escuchar mejor en español, sí. Yeah, but I can't do that for very long, so that's not going to work. So I'm very limited. I have to use your ears, and and then I have to get you to pay attention to what I'm saying. And you may be thinking about lunch, right? And or you may hear my thoughts and just dismiss them. Now, friends, we want God to audibly speak to us, but he can do better than that. God can put his thoughts directly in your mind, all of them. And then you can either still be thinking about lunch or you can pay attention to them. You can dismiss them or, or say, no, I don't wanna do that. But God can directly communicate To your mind. And so, part of what it means to walk by the Spirit is we stay connected to His love, letting this communication flow. And then, second, we keep His commands. That's actually how you learn to listen. We keep His commands. You develop ears to hear with a willing heart. So, here's the key the more you respond to thoughts you think God's Spirit is prompting, the more thoughts you'll get. The more you ignore, or resist those thoughts you think God's giving, the less you'll hear. That's the key, friends. And so what we need to do is be willing to do what we think God wants us to do in line with what the Bible says. Jesus goes on in John 15 and talks about this. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Now remain in my love. When you obey my commands... You remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Do you see it? This is how we tune ourselves to receive this joy overflowing out of us. We respond in obedience when we, when we believe the Spirit's prompting our minds and then we act on that in obedience to God. You tune your mind to dwell on the thoughts that the spirit is putting and you act on those and joy starts to grow from within. So this two-way communication, here's how it works. You know, you're the, the guy in the four by four, you know, cut you off in traffic, waves the middle finger, you know, salutes you and your mind, boom, is enraged. You know, all these thoughts. Okay, time out. You take a deep breath, You reconnect. Right? You got disconnected for a second. You reconnect. And you just say, God, help me. That's where I usually start. Help. (laughs) You know, you know my thoughts. You, you, You know, you know what just happened. Show me how to respond. You quiet your mind. You listen to what God's truth is. I'm loved by you. I'm forgiven by you. I can forgive this person. I can experience your joy no matter what that person does. And then you let it go. And now God, show me something good to focus on. Something I can thank you for. And this is key too. Paul did this in his joy letter in Philippians 4.8. He says this, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. So you, you shift your attention. Do you know, in our brains we have something called the reticular activating system. Um, it's, it's in the lower part of our brain and what it does is it screens out all the information that you're getting all the time, millions and millions of data points. And it's telling you what to focus on and it's telling you what's important to you. And, uh, you know, here's how it works. Do you ever notice last time you were buying a car, how all of a sudden everywhere you went, you saw that car. You know, or if you're going to get an F-150 so you can show it to the 4x4, right? You know, everywhere you go, you're you're seeing F-150s. And then you buy the F-150, and and, and now you're not seeing them so much, although they're pretty hard to miss. (laughs) That's your reticular activating system. Whatever you focus on, it starts to tell you what to see, what to notice. And that's a gift from God. But it's also why God wants us to focus on the good things he's given and what we can thank him for and and what we can praise him for. Because then our brain starts to help us even. We start to experience as well a joy coming from within. And when we understand how to walk by the Spirit, we understand it's staying connected to his love with this two-way communication. It's responding to his commands, doing what he says, and it's always probably going to involve loving others sacrificially. Sacrificially. So Jesus continues, I've told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. You know, so many of us get stuck trying to get other people to make us happy. If my spouse would just, then I'd be happy, right? If my boss would just give me that promotion, then I'd be happy. You know, if, I, if I could just get that car, that house, that boat, that whatever, then I'd be happy. But this joy comes not from what Others do, but what God is doing in us. And it almost has to do with loving others, many times in a way that's unnatural to this world. Love each other as I have loved you, Jesus said. How has Jesus loved you? Well, he came and he laid down his pride, his ego, his rights, his honor, his validation, his comfort, his desires. His need to defend himself, right? I mean, he was wrongly accused, slandered, lied about, misunderstood, all for you. And then he went even farther, and he laid down his very life. Love one another as I have loved you. So where does joy come from? Well, ironically, not by getting others to make us happy. It comes from the Spirit of God, like this. You're right in the middle of a fight with your spouse or your significant other. Or your, your boss or your coworker is berating you. Or that family member is doing that annoying thing, okay? Right in the middle of it, you're starting to have that old reaction. You shift your mind back to God. You're with me, Lord. You love me. I'm your child. I'll inherit all you have. I need nothing, I don't need this person to do anything for me. I don't need to prove anything. Now help me love you as you've loved me. And you pray, God, I lay down my pride for you, not for that other person. God, I I lay aside my rights for you, not for that other person. God, give me the power to love this other person, not for them, for you, as you have loved me. You be quick to listen and slow to speak and speak only what you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to speak. And that person may still be nasty and, and hurtful. Don't focus on that, focus on God and what he says is true and good and honorable. And watch, watch the fruit of joy coming from the inside naturally, a joy that no one can take from you, that nothing can rob from you. We're going to hear a song by Maverick City about waiting on God's promises. Let me just ask you, what have you been waiting on to make you happy? You've been waiting on a person. You've been waiting on circumstances to change. How about instead waiting on God like we've been talking about and seeing if that doesn't produce the joy from within you've been longing for. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you entered our world through Jesus to show us your heart, that even though so often we live disconnected from you and from your will, you've paid the price to forgive us so that we don't have to stay there. We don't have to worry that our wrongs or our failures cut us off from relationship with you. Nothing can separate us from your love. But now, God, we want to walk with you in that love more and more. Help us to walk by the Spirit, communicating with you, willing to do what we think you're prompting us to do and loving others even as you have loved us. And God, we ask that you would produce more of the fruit of joy in us as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.